You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. As we look at the accounts of Jesus' birth in the Bible, each person or group of people who made their way to meet the newborn King and Savior had their own journey to endure. In much the same way, we all have a journey of our own as we make our way to the manger. What can we learn from the journeys of others as we travel to the manger ourselves? I have taken a, a lot of road trips in my life, and uh, and not only as an adult, but as a kid as well. I remember um, we took trips a lot when I was growing up. I grew up in New England, and my dad and mom and brother and I would always take trips down to like South Carolina and Florida, um, and they were always, in fact, my brother and I were just talking about one of those trips uh, last night and some of the um, outrageous things that happened as we were traveling. One time we got stuck in Richmond um, and had to put all of our, our belongings into uh, a taxi to stay overnight somewhere because our car broke down. So, But back in 2016, our whole family went on a cross-country trip and we stopped in a lot of different places. We stopped in Nashville, in Memphis, went down to New Orleans, San Antonio, drove all the way to Los Angeles, and then back again, um, stopped and saw Mount Rushmore. And, and, you know, as we were getting ready for that trip, uh, we were asking different people what recommendations they had. And I found that when you go on a road trip or some kind of journey, so much can be dependent upon the people that you talk to and what your expectations are of that journey. Like, where am I going? What am I going to see? What should I expect when I get there? And so much is dependent on on what people tell you. And sometimes uh, we're looking forward to the destination. Sometimes we're looking forward to the journey. And and I'm realizing that as I get older, I think I'm becoming a grumpy old man um, because things are not as fun as they once were. Flying is just not the way, the same fun that it was for me way back, you know, 20 years ago. It can be stressful. Layovers feel like a waste of time to me. Uh, I don't want to necessarily sit in traffic unless I have at my fingertips some Valium or Xanax to make me feel a little bit better about the traffic. And and the urban sprawl that uh, is taking over some of the beautiful scenery that we once saw kind of makes it a drag to go on uh, to go on road trips. But I think. If we really stop and think about journeys and road trips, um, we can make the most of those journeys if we prepare, if we set our expectations right. And as we celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight, I think thinking back to that first Christmas, there were so many journeys that took place, road trips, if you, if you would, for people And I think as we look at the different journeys that took place that first Christmas, we may be able to relate to what was going on in some of the people who were taking those road trips, who were on those journeys. Among the journeys that were to the manger that first Christmas was Mary. If we look in the book of Luke, chapter 1, we see Mary's story. And this is what we read, starting in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. 
Luke writes this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. And sometimes, because there's not a whole lot of description, we might forget uh, what was going on with Mary. She was an unwed teenage mother pledged to be married to someone. And so if you think about the journey that Mary had to take to the manger on that first Christmas, there was probably some anxiety in her. Yeah, the the angel tells her that she's highly favored, and the angel says, hey, don't be afraid. She knows that, that God is with her, and that God has seen her, and that there's something significant about what he's seen in her. But Mary, at this point, after Gabriel appears to her and and gives her this message. She's got this journey of her own that she's got to go through. She's got to convince everybody that that what she just experienced is true. She's got to tell Joseph, the guy that she's pledged to be married to, that, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. She's got to then tell her parents the same thing and try to convince them that her and Joseph weren't up to hanky-panky or anything like that. And then she's got to convince everybody in town. In a small town like Nazareth, people talk. And she's got to convince everybody. She probably is expecting the whispers behind hands. She's wondering about the looks, and then even more so, she's wondering, how are they going to treat my son? What are they going to do? And so, so much of Mary's journey happened even before she got on that donkey to ride all the way to Bethlehem from Nazareth. There was that journey through, through, anxi- through anxiety. And I wonder if, if we've had a similar experience through anxiety ourselves. Even as we come to the manger, have we wondered how people will treat us? If, if we say, hey, yeah, I, I want to... I want to explore this idea of of Jesus. What will people say? What will people do? What will they say behind their hands? And will they think differently of us? And we see how Mary responds, though she's an unwed teenage virgin pledged to be married to Joseph. In verse 38, she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. 
I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I've got to be honest with you. If, if I had that same visit from an angel and they told me something so outrageous like that, I don't think that's the first thought that would come to mind. I, I don't think that I'd be thinking to myself, yeah, hey, I, I'm your servant. Like, let it happen. And may you receive all the glory for it. And yet, that's exactly what Mary, how Mary responded. As we make our own journey to the manger to meet Jesus, the the newborn king, are we experiencing our own anxiety? What is it that we might need to bring with us on that journey? And then how can we respond like Mary did? To say, I'm the Lord's servant. May it happen as you say. The other ones who were on a journey as well that first Christmas was were the shepherds. You know, here they were minding their own business out in the fields. They were watching their sheep. They were probably settling down for the night. And then all of a sudden the sky lit up with angels and the heavenly host, as Scripture says. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 20, we read a portion of their story after the angels appeared to them and, and told them what to do. It says in verse 16, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen Him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, again, similar to what happened when the angel appeared to Mary, except it was like the third thing that that he said to, to her. The first thing that he says to The shepherds is don't be afraid. You know, these shepherds were were not used to a lot of social activity. They talked to sheep all day, all right? And so they probably kind of liked that too. They knew that, hey, guess what? Like, first of all, they're not going to talk back. Second of all, like, I don't have to worry about crowds. I don't have to worry about any kind of social anxiety. I don't have to be fearful of what people are going to think of me. And then an angel comes, appears to me while I'm minding my own business, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and says, okay, now what you're doing here, isolated in the middle of nowhere, watching these sheep who aren't talking back to you, now we want you to go into the bustling city. Remember what was happening in the city of Bethlehem at that time. People were coming back into the city who were from there, and there was a census being taken. Remember, Mary and Joseph didn't have any room to stay. So it's not like there were only a few people in the city of Bethlehem. Can you say fear? <laughs> As those shepherds were making their way into town and they're wondering, are people going to look at me and point at me and say, hey, you're unclean. Hey, you smell like sheep. Hey, what's going on? And yet, that's exactly what they did. They went and made their way into town, even if they had some fear in them. I'd never heard it this, until this week, but there's an acronym for fear. It's false expectations appearing real. And I wonder if the shepherds 
What would have happened had the shepherds allowed fear to dominate them and what they did? I'm pretty convinced that if they didn't do what the angels had told them to do, God would have found another way. And yet, the first witnesses to this newborn king and savior are ones who are on the outskirts of society. Ones who aren't necessarily readily accepted. God could have chosen anyone to reveal his son to, to be the first eyewitnesses. And who did he choose? He chose the shepherds. And they didn't let fear rule them. They just went. And I wonder, on our own journey to the manger, do we let fear get in the way? Do we wonder what's going on? Are we fearful about being rejected by God? You know, the shepherds easily could have had a fear that they would be rejected. And I wonder if when we come to the manger, if there's a fear in us, like we're not worthy. Like how on earth can I come to this place? Did the shepherds wonder whether Mary and Joseph would turn them away and say, you know what? We don't want you around our son. And I wonder if we have that same fear when we come to Jesus. Well, why would Jesus associate with me? Why would he allow me to come close? Are we fearful about that? God could have chosen anyone else to witness his son's birth. (coughs) Anyone who may have seemed more significant, more valuable, more worthwhile, at least in the eyes of the world. But he chose them because they were significant and they were valuable and they were worthwhile in his eyes. And so if there's a fear in us as we come to the manger that we're not significant enough, we're not worthy enough, that's not what it's about. Because God's looking through his eyes and not the eyes of the world. And in the same way, we're invited on a journey to the manger to witness the wonder of Jesus. Do we approach the manger with hopes and fears that Jesus might actually be who he says he is? And that we might actually be who he says we are as well? That we're significant, that we're valued, and that we're worthwhile. You know, the third journey to the manger to consider is that of the wise men. If you look over in Matthew chapter 2, we read about those wise men. It says in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And very much like the shepherds who were outsiders, these magi who were from a foreign country, God reveals the star to them. And they, through their education, through what they knew in science, they they knew that that star was going to lead them to something significant. They didn't know it was a savior. They knew it was a king. And so they went It wasn't uncommon back in those days that when there was a dignitary who who had a child that that people would come from all around and, and would present gifts 
to that dignitary's child, would, would give them significant things. These wise men were scientists. They were astrologers reading the stars. They were outsiders to the Jews. Ones who were told of Jesus' birth. But there's not any indication in, in Matthew's account here that, that those magi knew who Jesus really was. They didn't know. For as far as they knew, they might have been coming to Bethlehem or to where the star finally stopped and, and meeting you know, Herod's son or some other significant political figure's child. They came to meet a king. And so much along that journey for the wise men was unknown. They just didn't know. You know, for some of us, as we think about going on a journey, that, that's exciting for us. We love journeys where we don't know a lot. Some of us, that causes major anxiety because we don't like to not know. And yet, these wise men, these shepherds, or these, these magi, these scientists, they didn't know. And we see in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 9, after 2, what they say, what it says. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. These kings, they brought kingly gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's probably not the ideal uh, baby shower gift, right? They were probably looking for wipes and diapers instead. And yet, this, what they were bringing was something that, signific- that signified who Jesus was. And we don't even know that as they left, did they fully know who Jesus was? And yet, they were overjoyed, so they must have known something. They must have known that there was something different. But there were so many questions in the minds of these magi, these scientists. And alongside those questions was wonder and mystery. There's nothing here referring to the fact that they read the Old Testament prophecies. There's nothing that lets us know that. They don't necessarily know that Jesus is the Messiah. Just that He's the King of the Jews. And they are warned in a dream not to go back the same way. They were not to go back to Herod. And they took a different route. And as I think about that journey, that journey of those magi, it gives me great comfort in knowing that sometimes the journey to the manger involves not always having the answers. That we don't always have the answers. And it's okay. You know, there may be some people who, who look at these wise men and say, oh, well, you know, it's okay. They could deal with that. They were, they were fools. No, these guys were educated people. And they were okay with the tension of not having had all the answers. They were okay with uncertainty. They were okay with wonder. They were okay with mystery and unanswered questions. That's what faith is, isn't it? 
It's being willing to walk into things when we don't have all the answers, when we're not 100% sure about something. It's about embracing the mystery and wonder and being willing to sit in the tension of not having all the answers, of not being able to know all the time every single thing. There was a tension that these wise men were willing to sit in between the certainty of science and the mystery of faith. And in our own journey to the manger, I wonder if we experience something similar. If we're okay with saying, okay, there's a tension here between knowing and not knowing, between science and faith. Am I willing to step into that and be okay with the fact that I don't always get the answers that I'm looking for? And I wonder how our journey might parallel that of Mary, or that of the shepherds, or that of the wise men? Have you been looking for certainty along your journey? And you've been pushing away the mystery that's there? Have you asked for science and data and said, show me, when God wants to show you wonder? Have you been looking for answers with your eyes and not letting your heart see what's right before you? You know, each of us takes a different journey to the manger, just as Mary and the shepherds and the wise men did. And so many others have before us. So many are even right now. I think the key is for us not to let the journey keep us from the destination and not letting the destination prevent us from enjoying the journey. It's not one or the other. It's not like we say, well, yeah, like I'm just focused on the destination, so forget about the journey. Or I I just want to see what I want to see, and and I don't care when I get there or where I get to. Can we hold both of those things in tension and say there's something significant about the journey and the destination? There's something significant about science and knowing and also mystery and wonder and hold those in tension. I think that's what happened. It's okay for us to not always know as we're on that journey to the manger. Let me pray for us. God, we come to the manger with questions. We come with uncertainty. We come with fear and anxiety. Not always knowing. Not always sure but yet hoping. Hoping that what you say is true and having faith in that. So God, even as we reflect tonight on what you did for us, God, I pray that you'd meet us on that journey, wherever each of us is. Maybe we're in the beginning. Maybe we're somewhere in the middle. Maybe we feel like we've been on it for a long time and we're just going in circles. But God, I pray that you would meet us in that place. You would give us what we need and you'd help us to be able to embrace the tensions we face. You would meet us in our fear. You'd meet us in our anxiety. You'd meet us in our mystery and our wonder. And that we would find you, encounter you, yes, the King, but also the Savior.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, the shepherds, the wise men, they all journeyed to meet the newborn king and savior. Anxiety, fear, mystery, wonder, each of them brought something with them along the way. Where are you today? What's consuming you on your journey? And what are you bringing with you to the manger? How will God meet you there? I hope that you have a blessed Christmas as you celebrate the newborn King. May the precious gift of Jesus fill your heart anew and may you experience the mystery and wonder of this, the greatest gift we could ever receive. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.